I'm Eric. I'm Lucas. And we are the Modern Agronomists. We are putting a modern spin on an old industry. Welcome back, everyone. Today on our episode, we have Sammy Brantner with DeKalb. Today, we are going to talk about, hopefully, some short corn, some other exciting things that are coming down the pipeline with DeKalb. Thanks for coming today. You bet. Could you maybe start off, Sammy, and give everybody a little background on on yourself with DeKalb? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, like they said, my name is Sammy Brantner. I am the DeKalb Asgro Technical Agronomist for the northern half um, of the state. So, started my career actually at the age of 17, right out of high school as an intern at a local co-op over in the Duran-Mondovi area of the state. Um, and been plugging my way through agronomy ever since. So started as a sales agronomist over on the west side. Um, and then about, oh, I suppose 10, 8 years ago, I transitioned to the DeKalb team um, as a field sales representative at the time, um, obviously supporting the DeKalb brand. And then about 4 or 5 years ago, transitioned over into more of that agronomy role. So really more near and dear to my heart at some times. And, and the joy now is I get to travel the entire northern half of the state from border to border and seeing how products are doing. So we want to talk about smart corn today. Uh, Luke, Lucas referenced it as short corn, but it's really called smart corn. Give us a little background on what this product is and maybe some of its fits or, or what what it really is, I guess, in the end. You bet. So smart corn is how we are officially going to be taglining, uh, kind of powered by short corn technology, I guess, um, is we're looking at corn that's going to be five to seven feet tall. And, you know, you think about why in the world would I need corn that's only five to seven feet tall. And I like to say it's because they were getting sick of losing me out in the cornfields when we were walking plots. But um, ultimately, they were looking at a couple of different things. And the, and the first thing was standability. And when we get some of these high winds, the southern Wisconsin can get hit. I know Minnesota, the Dakotas, as you can move south, standability has always been a big concern. And when we're thinking about smart corn, so what we've done to get that corn to be only five to seven feet tall is we've actually um, decreased the length between the inner nodes underneath the ear. So ultimately shortening that plant. And by doing that, by um, shortening those inner nodes, we've created, because you, you still are going to have the same amount of leaves from the top of the plant to the bottom of the plant. And when you shorten those inner nodes, those sheaths are actually wrapping around that stalk that many more times, creating extra strength. And what we've seen is the standability is pretty darn impressive um, when it comes to just your conventionally taller hybrids. So that was the first thing that they were looking at. And, you know, another aspect that we like about this, this smart corn is all of a sudden we can get into it a little bit later into the season if we needed some fungicide applications going out, if we need some maybe later nitrogen applications going out because we're running out. We can get into it with our current ground rigs a lot easier because I know it's sometimes it can be tricky to get the helicopters in or the planes in. It's just sometimes it's hard to coordinate some some years. So just opening the doors from that aspect. Um, but then the coolest thing that I like about smart corn, um, and I get a lot of weir- really re- weird looks, is the potential that it has in the silage world. So what we're seeing today, even having only five to seven foot tall plant. Tonnage is very comparable at similar populations um, to what we would conventionally plant, um, a dual-purpose product. Um, but we're seeing some pretty Im- impressive um, feeding qualities 
speed qualities as well coming through. So we're still in the early stages. We aren't quite commercially available yet. Um, this year I was able to do two trials on the eastern side of the state solely looking at silage when it comes to smart corn. Um, and like I said, really excited with what I'm seeing today. Uh, what I'm looking at with this product right now is how does it perform at 32,000 versus 40,000 plants per acre. So we're just trying to learn more. What is going to be the best way that we can take this out into the marketplace? With the smart corn, was there ever a thought of this reducing residue or is that not really a part of it? So that's a great question. And that's one, it's, it just kind of depends because we still have those same number of leaves from top to bottom. Um, so although it's a shorter plant, we still kind of have those same leaves out there. So, and what I've noticed too, is we're actually l losing less of the lower leaves, at least in the trials that I've seen today. So it, it could change. Each product is going to react a little bit differently to the, the different environmental conditions, but I'd say, um, residue wise is probably going to be pretty similar to what you're seeing. Although I've also been told, you know, would it maybe break apart quicker seeing you're going to looking at those quality levels so far. So more, more to come on that. So do you think this product, as it moves forward, do you think it fits better in the silage market right now versus the grain? I mean, if you had to pick one side, it's going to lean more heavy on which side do you think it's going to be? Oh, man. Well, the, the main focus that you're going to first see it come out as is, is going to be for the grain world. Like I said, they're, they're, the first thing they were looking at was that standability in those areas where we get a lot of lodging concerns. So you're going to see it in the marketplace probably right away more pushing towards the grain. But for here in Wisconsin, we're going to make a really hard push um, on that silage aspect. And that's where we're putting a lot of our focus from a trial standpoint to, to get some, I guess, excitement built around the silage piece. Yeah. For Lucas and I, I guess, logistically, knowing that corn is going to only reach five to seven feet, that opens the doors for a lot of applications that we would maybe write off, like you mentioned earlier. Um, the, the type of equipment that we run generally can only clear, let's just say six-foot six corn, feet. to be fair. Um, so this really opens the door for us to get across a lot more acres with our own machines, kind of on our own schedule, which which puts more control in our hands. Oh, so. absolutely. And it allows you to time those applications. You know, that's the most opportune time to get the, that money back to on that investment. Yep. Nope, definitely. Have you been told or do you know kind of a rough time frame when this stuff might become available? You bet. So right now we're hoping by 2024 we'll be able to see some products um, in our market development trials. And a lot of those are still probably going to be that 110 RM. Uh, we were able to, to trial out 108 day up here for our agronomic knowledge trials. Uh, but 2024 is when we're probably going to first start seeing a little bit more commercial products available. Would you assume then going forward, trade packages will be up and down the line? Correct. Yep. So the ones that I trialed this year were all double pros, but you can imagine we're going to have uh, smart sex pro options for these as well. So if this corn, let's say, takes off really in both markets, silage and grain, do you feel like Bayer as a whole would move all corn to this type of stature? Um, I guess I don't know if I can make that claim yeah. on that one. I think we'll kind of go where the need is. Yep. So we'll, it'll be kind of just, we'll, we'll see how these things perform and, and which direction we would need to go at that point. I mean, at the end of the day, silage or green, nobody wants to harvest the crop that's on the ground. Exactly. So I think if, if it can stay upright or the likelihood is higher, I think that's a huge win in general. Oh, absolutely. Yep. Changing gears here a little bit, uh, Bayer did come out with a product called SmartStacks Pro. 
Would you be able to touch on that a little bit, please? I sure can. So SmartStacks Pro is really targeting our corn rootworm. And I know you guys mentioned before, did you guys see a lot of corn rootworm pressure this last year? More than I've ever seen in 15 years. Yeah, I've had a few beetles maybe flying around some gardens. Absolutely. (laughs) I know I even had one walking across the uh, kitchen counter on me a few weeks ago. But yeah, corn rootworm, you know, that million dollar bug, it it truly is. It's, It's wreaking a lot of havoc as we go across um, not only the U.S., but Wisconsin in particular. And I know southern Wisconsin always kind of gets the big hit for being probably the most devastation, but it's moving north, and it's moving north pretty quickly. So SmartStacks Pro is going to be our very first third mode of action against corn rootworm. So you think about what we've been using today. We've been using a lot of BT technology, um, and that's currently when you think about SmartStacks, we have two modes of action. Um, that are in smart stacks. And even if you look at the different competitors out in the marketplace, everybody's been u- utilizing um, kind of a different ratio or a different combination of, of the different BT treats that are on the market, but still only having two modes of action at a time. So the RNAi technology is coming in and it's a whole new way um, to kill the corn rootworm beetle. And we are pairing that RNAi technology with the BT trait. So again, bringing in that third mode of action um, to combat this, this bug. And so we're, we're still hoping, you know, if we have the BT traits out there, the hope is that that will be able to kill the corn rootworm beetle. Heaven forbid that doesn't work, that's where the RNAi is going to come in and basically sweep up what was not taken out by the BT. Now, remember, no matter what, that bug has to take a bite. So we're always going to see some sort of feeding um, on those roots. And at the end of the day, if we have very, very high levels of corn rootworm feeding, we're seeing a lot of damage, we still need to use our best management practices um, on that rotation and insecticides and whatnot. Um, but we're really excited about SmartStacks Pro. We're going to have three products on the marketplace for this next year. We already have one out and about this year, our, uh, DKC 10733 Rib Brand Blend. They make me say it that way. It's a tongue twister. But um, excited to see this 101 and 105 day come forward as well. So... No, very exciting on the marketplace. Safe to assume going forward, a lot more SmartStacks Pro will just be coming in the lineup. Yep. Nope, absolutely. And they'll be moving further north too. So I don't know what products I'm going to have next year. Our product managers are out right now looking at all the breeder plots and making their selections. Um, But I'm hopeful as, as we move ahead, we'll have some earlier products for everybody available as well. So... I guess in a in a real world scenario, if a grower knew they had a, a corn rootworm problem, and we had the choice, either they rotate or they do SmartStacks Pro with insecticide, which do you think is the better option? Rotation, and the reason I say that is it has taken us a few years here to come up with this new mode of action against corn rootworm. Um, I'm probably going to get my years wrong, and somebody will will holler and correct me, it's probably been a good 15 years plus since we've seen a new mode of action. Um, and it's going to be a minimum of probably 10 years before we see another. So we want to make sure that we preserve these these traits as long as we can. So if you have issues where, yeah, you're seeing the nodes are um, being completely pruned back, you're seeing a lot of standability issues, rotation is always going to be number one on my list. And in a ser- scenario where people can't rotate, that's where the insecticide comes into play, correct. I would assume. Yeah, I mean, no one really wants to hear about that insecticide going back to dry units on planters, but agronomically, I mean, that's what's going to make the most sense. Nope, absolutely. 
And it's not a cheap investment. Uh, we just did some pricing on some dry insecticide. It, it, I mean, you've got to be committed if you're going to put those boxes on your planter because it's not cheap anymore. So that's, I mean, rotation really is the cheaper alternative and the better alternative. Correct. Yep. Like I said, at the end of the day, we're just trying to make sure that we preserve these traits as long as we can because these are tools in the toolbox, but doesn't doesn't do very well when we get a broken one. So. Yep. As far as any other exciting um, varieties or anything, I know it seemed like this year in the plots we put in, there were quite a few new numbers, um, specifically in the 97-day. I know it's early. Nothing's really come off yet, but is there anything really catching your eye that we should be keeping an eye on? You bet. Yeah, we've got a couple numbers that I'm getting pretty, which the whole class in general I'm actually very, very excited about. They're looking very strong um, from a disease standpoint, even from, I'd say, a – um, late season strength standability um, standpoint. Um, but we have a new 98 day, so DKC 4834, and that is going to be a Smart Stacks product. Um, we're going to be watching that one from both a grain perspective and a silage perspective, I think, as well. But really liked how it shot up out of the ground. I think some of our guys that have maybe used 49, DKC 4972 in the past, um, we're going to want to take a look at this one. It's going to have a little bit more flex to it from what I'm seeing. Um, but it's going to be going to be a fun one to watch. And then I guess question for you guys, you guys see a lot of DKC 4727? It's probably, a, I, I guess, in the Ripon location, that would probably be one of the top two varieties we sell total. Yep. yep. So that's definitely been our top three for the state here for the last few years. And um, we'll still have it again this next year. But we are going to have a new 97 day that's going to be very close to its heels. And it's not often that our product managers and breeders give a – rating of a one in the seed guide. So remember, one is the best, nine is the worst for us. Um, but it's given a one for drought tolerance. And if you can remember, uh, 4727 is a drought guard trait for us. And it's looking very promising is one I'm going to want guys to at least get a look at here on this first year. Mm-hmm. So this new 97 day is going to be a DKC 4784 will be the smart stacks and 4785 will be the double pro. So a couple options to go there. Which is kind of crazy since I've been selling 49.72 and 47.27 have kind of been like the the gold standard. So for them to get knocked off their throne, it takes quite a bit. So we'll see. That it will. That it will. So that's why it's always exciting. I always, you know, I'm probably a little bit more reserved than others, but we definitely want want to see some side-by-sides and some trials out on these new ones. They're going to be ones you're not going to want to miss. See, I mean, your trails around the state, I've been getting a comment from quite a few growers about, some of these hybrids looking almost like that fast die, fast dry. Is that something that going into harvest this fall we really need to keep an eye on as far as getting after some of this corn? Yeah, I think all in all this year, if you think back to what Mother Nature did to us during pollination, and I know not the whole state experienced the same, but a good chunk of the state experienced some pretty nasty drought stress and some heat during pollination, and, and that continued into the evenings. And I think that's kind of what kicked us a little bit harder than even the daytime heat is it we didn't get a chance to cool off at night um, so we had a lot of stress at pollination and when we were that dry we couldn't necessarily get a lot of our nutrients out of the ground from what I'm seeing so as we move far now fast forward I guess into going into fall now I'm seeing a lot of corn starting to dry up pretty quickly I've been probably the last week and a half maybe two weeks been seeing a lot of anthracnose coming in 
and you can see a difference just within the field too where you get to maybe some of the sandier spots where maybe we lost or couldn't grab our nitrogen that's getting hit a lot harder than in our heavier grounds where maybe it was able to hold the nitrogen a little bit later um, or at least be able to be a little bit more moisture in the ground when we were dealing with that dryness so we are seeing a lot of or I am seeing I should say a lot of corn that's drying down quickly um, my big concern right now is stock integrity because we weren't necessarily able to grab a lot of those nutrients early on. We may have pulled it from our stocks early. Then we had some nice grain fill time. We were able to kind of maybe recoup some nutrients from the ground. But now we're trying to go back and pull out our reserves to finish out, and the reserves aren't there. So I'm stock integrity has been a concern of mine here for probably a couple weeks. Just my crystal ball isn't always clear. Sometimes it's more of a snow globe than a crystal ball. But... That's one thing I'm kind of keeping my eyes open for, and we may want to try to tackle harvest earlier and a little on the wetter side. What about uh, fungicides on corn? What have you been seeing with that this year? Did I guess you cover a very big area, um, at least in mine and Eric's area, as far as tar spot goes. I mean, I think we could find it, but I didn't see anything that was detrimental or coming in fast and strong. But what have you seen over the state? Yeah, I'd say a good chunk of the state is the same thing that you just described it. It was out there. You could find it just about everywhere. Um, but that drier early season was able to kind of hold it back from really exploding. Now I'd say the last week and a half, it's starting to creep in a little bit heavier. But again, we're also nearing the end of our season. So that plant's just you know, not really on defense anymore. It's just kind of trying to finish out that grain. And it's going to allow not only tar spot, but the other diseases to kind of start taking over and just kind of naturally senesce at the same time. But tar spot was definitely here. And there's a few pockets around the state that it's starting to flare up more so, but we did not see any concerns or as much concerns as we did last year when it came to tar spot. Um, I will say with fungicide, it still paid for itself. Probably 9.9 times out of 10 this year, um, the fungicides paid for themselves. What goes into um, the Calvitz making their ratings on fungicide um, per variety? Is that just in your own testing or how did, how does that come about for those numbers? Yeah. So we have, so down in Janesville, we have a location, um, and they do trials across the state where they're spraying fungicide and, and then we're taking ratings on those products with and without fungicides. Then we're also doing just localized data, what I see with my own plots, um, with those, and then basically quantify that information. So it's with, between us, the researchers down in Janesville, uh, the product managers kind of all sitting together and kind of going through the products themselves. So in your product lineup, is there any hybrid that sticks out that maybe is does better in a tire spot type scenario? You walk through a plot, you see a, a lineup of different hybrids. Which one do you think shines or do you have a number in the top of your mind? Sure. So the the neat part about this new lineup is that last year when we were experiencing some pretty heavy tar spot pressure, our breeders and product managers were selecting products based off of that pressure. And I would say they did a fantastic job selecting products that look above average in the fight against tar spot and the other diseases because a lot of times tar spot can be more of an opportunistic disease and take over when that plant is already kind of limping along anyway. Um but this new class is looking very, very strong. So like I had mentioned before, our new 98-day DeKalb 4834 um, is looking very strong today against our tar spot fight. Even the new 97-day is looking very strong. Um, you know, when you look at some of the older products, we had a few that were, we would maybe tagline a more of a racehorse-style product. We maybe had some like, hey, you know, really late season stock integrity can get a little bit 
you know, average, we want to keep an eye on it. Those are the products that we could, we would see maybe um, succumb to tar spot a little bit faster than others. But again, we knew that they were racehorse products. We knew they stole from themselves anyway to finish out to those higher products. But um, yeah, that new 98 day, we've got 105, which is actually our new SmartStacks Pro. So DeCalbo 105-33 SmartStacks Pro is looking very strong um, in the tar spot game as well. So yeah, this new class, like I said, is very, very exciting. And you may have noticed I'm using a different naming system for our new corn product. So I hope I wasn't throwing anybody off their game here, but we actually ran out of numbers last year. So th- this next year, you can see a whole new numbering system. You don't all, no longer have to add 50 to the first two numbers to get to your maturity. Well, that'll help, help Lucas out. <laughs> right. So going forward, it'll be the DKC. DKC. So we, right now we've got 101-33. So it's 101 day. And then the last number, if it's a three, it'll be a Smart Stacks Pro. If it's a five, it'll be a Double Pro. Um, and I'm not quite sure what the other numbers mean just yet. So. Going forward and, and all the products that are brought to market. I mean, do we think that we're going to be constantly firing through these numbers where varieties won't stick around as long as maybe they used to in the past? Not necessarily. I think if we get a number that's working really well, we're going to fight to keep that number until we can get another one that can prove it. I mean, look at 4727. It's been around for probably about nine years now. So yeah, if it's definitely an older product, maybe even longer, I don't have the year right in front of me, but it's been around for a while. And, and the reason we haven't been able to push it off is because it's still performing extremely well so when we look at these new products they're going to be here until we find something else that can replace them a lot of times is that with such a big area that you're covering so if if, if we got a 95 day for an example i mean that needs to perform from the dakotas to new york is that kind of how that kind of goes it can go that way um sometimes it just depends on the product managers and how loud the agronomists are when they're hollering at the product managers on what we need. So I actually have a a meeting next week with product management to discuss what are the needs for Wisconsin. Um, And then, you know, there may be some products where, yes, they will work across the entire U.S., but they will also select products that, you know what, this is going to be a Wisconsin or Wisconsin-Michigan-focused product. We know we have maybe a hole there. We're going to go ahead and select this product knowing that we need it. So, Does that make that challenging for you to have such a broad portfolio I mean you're trying to cover a large geography here and that kind of makes your portfolio expand exponentially how do you how do you figure out how do you sort out what's good and what's not when you have a portfolio that diverse so my job I will argue is one of the greatest jobs on the planet so I get to help figure out what products work well in Wisconsin and how we can make them perform the best. So when I look at my territory, I cover the northern half of the state. And I deal with maturities from probably 80-day to 105-day for grain. And then I'll tackle into the 105s and, or excuse me, the 109s, 110s for silage. But what we do every year is, and they remember me not, coming around in the wintertime asking if you want to plant any plots or finding cooperators that want to plant my plots. I get hollered at sometimes because I get a little sassy about I must have my seven products in order this specific way and the reason that I do that is because I do that exact same lineup across the entire state and by doing that I'm able to kind of see the trends as we work across the state because I have some products that work a lot better over here on the east side than they work in my Buffalo County Hills from where I'm at and so by being able to do those different plot sets, you know, in, in those blocks, like I said, you can start pulling out these trends and start learning what works best where and, and how. And I think that's what's hard, you know, like for Lucas and I, when we're in the selling situation, 
you've got this rapid turnover of product, mm-hmm. right? And so because it's turning so fast, the trend line is so short, you know, you've got to decide, oh, it launched in 2021, but it, it may have had a stellar year, looked really, really great. You sell the crap out of it, 2022, not so good. So the trend line's a lot shorter now with uh, a lot of these corn hybrids that we're selling. Yeah, and, and the one thing to remember, too, is that before I even get to put my hands on these products, they've already been tested for four years in Wisconsin by our breeders. And um, one thing we've done, so the, their last two years of testing with the breeders, they're actually tested in the true trait that we're going to sell them as. So there may have been a time where we only tested it as a double pro. Hey, it worked. We're going to go turn that into a smart stacks, and we're going to send it out the door or vice versa. That's not the case. We're testing them as a smart stacks. We're testing them as a double pro. So we're getting a lot more looks at these products too here just within the last probably five years than we ever have before. So, I mean, it takes, by the time they start thinking about what kind of product we need, it takes almost eight years for it to get it actually into my hands to get it for you guys to see it. So it's, it's pretty neat that way. I know four of those years they've already been tested in Wisconsin and we can pull that information out. So that just helps your confidence level with what they're bringing forward. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that helps us out a lot <clears throat> in the winter. We have our meetings, and, and you bring that info. I mean, DeKalb is our number one brand that we sell here at the co-op, and with the lineup, I do feel very confident to piece in where we need to. At times, it feels like a little too much. I mean, not going to lie, we look in the warehouse, and there's 20 varieties, and not exaggerating at all there. But um, we definitely have tools, you know, with the plots that we got out, in the area to, to piece in where we're maybe lacking somewhere, which I really think helps us with the DeKalb lineup. Nope, definitely. And we definitely appreciate all the help that you guys do with, with planting the plots. I know it's a lot of work in the spring, but it's it's fun seeing them come off in the fall. Well, it's really for us. It's helping us more than anything. So, I mean, if we don't do it, then, then we don't have the data. Is there a lot of yourself testing? I mean, I know you said on the, on the smart corn – you're doing it specifically on two different populations. Are we doing that across our normal market development plots? I mean, I know maybe here or there, but do you have more of that or are we focusing on that? Yeah. So with the market development plots, really, I try to, when I place it with a grower, you guys tell me place it with a grower, we make sure that we're planting it the way that grower does. So I don't specify that it has to be at this population by any means. Um, But that's why when you get the quantity of plots that we have, you can start breaking those apart. Sure. And so I can kind of pull out, okay, these ones were planted at 29,000. These ones were planted at 34,000. Which one stood out? And um, a couple of years ago, we had a couple products, well, 4199 and 4205. You could see the difference at the higher population, the 4199 would win. And at the lower populations, the 4205 would win. I mean, you, you could see that direct correlation just across my plots. And again, it's not, everybody's not treating it all the same, right? Every plot, but when you get that quantity of plot sets out and about you can see those trends very easily and then again so our boys or our guys down in janesville do do population trials as well on the new products so those would be our gen 5 trials that we have more of the small blocks that we're able to tap into those as well and make sure okay is what i'm seeing in the field the same thing that they're seeing you know in the small block trials i guess i don't i don't think i've necessarily seen this but i've heard or you know reading articles do, do you see maybe not just to Kel, but in general seed companies going towards that more fixed ear hybrid where they want the populations being pushed. It just depends. Depends on the hybrid and what, what's working. It just depends on the hybrid and, and how it reacts. So I don't necessarily think 
a lot of companies are selecting solely because of what that ear style is. They're selecting because it has the yield, it has the agronomics that we need. And then, oh, by the way, this one, we need to have higher pops to make sure we make it work. This one, we can pull the pops back because it has more of a flex. Yep. And so those are the things, those are the fun things that I get to kind of sift through and enjoy looking at when I'm walking plots. I think it's a fair, that's a good question. I mean, I think Mm -hmm. there's periods of time where they come out with a class that's more fixed than the next class is more flex. It just kind of depends with which which genetics you're, they're, they're playing with at the time and, and what, what we're selecting for, basically. Yep. Yep. Nope, a very fair question. I feel like we've hit all the topics pretty well. Like I said, really excited about this class. The, the smart corn is something really exciting coming down the pipeline. This is kind of the first time we've been able to see the behind the scenes and be able to play with products this early um, in its commercial launch. So we're definitely going to be looking for some more homes. I know we've got a couple... Mm-hmm. suggestions already in the room today that we could go for next year so definitely going to be taking those notes down and hopefully we can place those as well and i mean smart corn like i said it's it's something industry why this these three modes of action we're going to need for smart step or to, with our fight against corn rootworm so just really excited um you know to be able to be with the cow and be able to make these improvements for the industry as a whole and make these you know be, be a part of the change I and mean, it's a really exciting it's to be really exciting next five to ten yeah. years with these traits and and products that are going to be coming out of the marketplace. Yeah. yeah. Change is never ending in agriculture. It's mm-hmm. turning as fast as the wheel. So with that, I think we'll wrap it up. And thank you, Sammy, for coming and talking about Smart Corn and Smart Stacks Pro. And uh, stay tuned for the commercial launch of Smart Corn. Thank you very much.